In this episode, Dr. Keshi summarizes his previous lessons about sugar's toxic effects on health. He also talks about the behavioral and physiological effects of food and eating and the impact of exercise on metabolic health. The good doctor explains why consuming sugar affects the liver, which can lead to high blood sugar levels, and then he discusses the importance of fasting before blood work. Roll the intro! Hello, and welcome to <sighs> Coffee with Cashy. I am your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy. And today's lesson is, is a summary of the previous bulk of lessons that are essentially around the, the toxic sugar and health fiasco. At least for now, that's going to be a consistent motif in, in all of this talking about food and eating. Imagine that. Okay. For, forever and a day. Um, the implications of sugar in the, in the obesity-related, <coughs> couch-related, <coughs> non-communicable diseases, and the keys to your so-called metabolic health, if you care about your organs doing the things that organs do, that is, sugars, three musketeers. Three musketeers. This way you're locked and loaded for the next series of lessons on how moving around on purpose and with purpose has some crazy impact on the way you, you, and you handle food and eating. The, the actual behavioral side versus just the, the physiological biochemical side, which is cool, uh, but it's ultimately less practical than, you know, what actually happens in the old Rizzle world, all right? Yeah, uh, moving around and burning calories is sort of a tragic outlook, <laughs> and by sort of it is, and these previous and continuing lessons are challenging those premises. Yeah, it is true that using your body consumes metabolic fuel, and you know, AKA burning calories. That's kind of where the buck stops. It's just kind of where the buck stops and, and it, it's better off if it keeps going. <laughs> Those calories are typically coming from, uh, in one way or another, sugar and fat from your blood and the sugar and fat in your blood, at least where metabolic health is concerned, is coming by way of the liver. And if your liver is lonely, well, then it starts to, it starts to ask for attention. All right. This is why, ironically enough, despite all the bitching and moaning and hullabaloo around sugar, your clinician will tell you to come get your blood work fasted. Hmm. This is all about food, right? But when you go get your blood work taken, they say, make sure you're totally fasted. You've gone like between six and 10 hours. As in you, you fasting, you, uh, you know, has eaten, you know, has eaten, make blood numbers. That's confusing. Why? Well, so if your blood sugar is high when you're fasted, remember, you know, has eaten sugar, even though your clinician can and probably will use that high sugar number to tell you to eat less sugar, as if that sandwich you ate yesterday is still couch surfing around your circulatory system looking to get adopted. Uh, who cares if it's because your liver is lonely and wants attention, even though your clinician will probably tell you to eat less sugar, even though you're fasted when your sugar is high. Okay. Who cares if the muscles and your brain and your liver, they're best friends. They're best friends, but they've lost contact and they're all off sulking in the corner. Because the, the muscles in the brain, they, are, they love the liver's tender love and care. 
So when your clinician goes to the big fancy bloodwork machine and says, Hi, big fancy bloodwork machine, tell me what I should tell my patient, please. It'll probably spit out a number with a red triangle or some crap, an exclamation point next to it, which obviously means, Don't worry, clinician, I did all the work for you. Just tell the patient they're sick and to eat less sugar. Well, the big fancy bloodwork machine has spoken. Why even bother talking to a person? You just go to CVS and it'll just spit out a 30-foot-long paper that says eat less sugar. <laughs> Phew. Doesn't it kind of feel like that's what's happening sometimes? Hmm? What makes matters more confusing is that if a dutiful patient does cut back on, does cut back on their sugar, sometimes that big scary number goes back down or back up, depending on what you're looking for. And then the clinician can say, Oh, thank you. Thank you, great big fancy blood work machine. You've saved another one for us all, and my patient is healthy again. Yeah, well, if you hurt your knee and use a crutch, you can relieve some pressure on the knee. Does that make the knee better? No. It actually sets the stage to make things even more miserable later. Uh, but who cares about later? We'll let the later self deal with that. Well, it turns out that's kind of already happening, but that's, that's for another cup of joe. Who cares if the liver is putting all that sugar into your blood? Screw that sandwich you ate yesterday. <laughs> Who cares if the three musketeers, your liver and your brain and your muscles, they all got lost at sea and they're morbidly depressed pining for each other. Your liver and brain constantly sending out messages in bottles to the muscles and to each other, but they're getting lost. They're getting lost at sea until you know the sea is clogged with all those messages and you die of organ failure. Uh. Now, it's common to think that being sick is some high numbers in your blood work, and therefore being healthy is to make those high numbers low. That is wrong. It's also common to think that being sick is some low numbers in your blood work, and therefore being healthy is to make those low numbers high. That is also wrong. The truth is, the most important facet of metabolic health, to this biased egghead anyway, is homeostatic regulation. I need one of those reading rainbow. The more you know, reading rainbow, okay? So for the sake of this conversation, high numbers are typically bad when they are high and stay high, and low numbers are typically bad when they are low and stay low. To that end, how quickly and how effectively your body adjusts a high number back down and a low number back up how quickly and effectively your body can, can adjust the internal physiology back to normal, even when the external environment is dynamic and changing. That is essentially metabolic health. Hmm. To summarize the summary here, moving your body around on purpose and with purpose fosters your body's intrinsic ability to make those high-low adjustments. For instance, bringing back this amazingly complicated biochemical physiological pathway. Okay. Your muscles and brain, they have fuel on board. The numbers start high. Hmm? Then they use the fuel on board for moving around and thinking stuff. Those numbers go from high to low. Okay? Then the muscles in the brain, they pull, they pull fat and sugar from the blood. The muscles in the brain, they pull fat and sugar from the blood. And fat and sugar goes to the muscles, then just sugar goes to the brain, by the way, okay? The sugar and fat in the blood, starting out high, now goes low. Now goes low. Hmm? These low numbers signal the brain to kick the liver into gear 
These low numbers signal the brain to kick the liver into gear. Then the liver will release sugar and fat it has stored from high to low. Okay, the liver has sugar and fat stored. Now it's, now it's kicking it back into the blood. The liver will also make more sugar and fat from scratch, going from low back to high again. And then the liver will consume its own stored sugar and fat to do both of those things, now going from high to low, like totally high to low. So it has sugar and fat stored, it kicks it out into the blood. And then it makes more sugar and fat from scratch, pulling from its own stores, going from high to low and low to high again. And eventually the liver just gets completely depleted, right? Eventually the liver depletes and the numbers go from ultimately high to ultimately no, low, but the numbers in the blood and the muscles, they end up staying, they end up becoming elevated again. They go back high, okay? But where does the liver go? Where does the liver go when it gets depleted? Where does the buck stop? That's a good question. The liver goes to the portal. Well, what's in the portal? Well, that sandwich you just ate. Ah, cool, right? This is the essence of metabolic flux. This is the essence of metabolic flux. The better your body is at this, then in all likelihood, the more metabolically robust you are. Well, what sends the messages to make this stuff happen? Well, this is where things get complicated with hormones like insulin. The important thing to know is that the more regularly you drain everything and fill it back up, the better your body becomes at draining it and filling it back up again. <laughs> Why? Well, an active body is actively on the lookout for those hormonal signals. The signals to use sugar and fat. The, sugar, the, the signals to take sugar and fat out of the blood. The signals for the liver to release sugar and fat and create more from the stores of other nutrients. And then the signals to eat to fill the liver back up again. Hmm. These cycles determine your health by maintaining the sensitivity to those hormones, like insulin, and partitioning the metabolic fuels, which is a fancy term for shunting them away from areas that are passive and shuttling them towards areas that are active. Moving your body around on purpose and with purpose is, is the best thing you can do to keep your organs, especially the three musketeers of sugar, the muscles, the brain, and the liver, happy. Hmm? Oh, and guess what main, three main organs cause the most trouble in the causation and perpetuation of obesity-related <coughs> non-communicable diseases? Hmm? Like heart disease and diabetes. You have three guesses. What is the best way to drain stuff and then fill it back up? Well, moving around and then eating. How cool is that? How cool is that? So this next series of lessons is the filling back up part. So the previous lessons were talking about the depletion part, the depleting part, and how that sort of fluctuation ends up helping you to become healthy and have a body that, that works as good as it looks and looks as good as it works, eh? Okay, this next series of lessons is about filling it back up again. Speaking of the filling back up part, yes, moving your body around does have a tremendous impact on eating behavior and hormone sensitivity, and all sorts of other cool stuff related to food and eating. So that's a little bit of what you're learning about next. Anyway, stay rational. Until next time. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Kashi? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Kashi is out! <laughs>